Welcome to this week's episode of the Thinking Big Podcast. Today is a very special day. Today is the beginning of season three of the podcast, and I can't believe we've actually gone through three seasons. I've had some amazing guests. I've met some amazing people, and I want to thank you, the listeners, more than anything for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Last year, we set a goal for 10,000 downloads, and we hit it in December. So I want to thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to the podcast. And today, I welcome my friend Derek Kenny to the podcast, a very special guest. And I personally, I'm a big believer that it is resourcefulness, not resources, that are keeping us from succeeding. And Derek embodies this philosophy more than most people I have ever met. Derek ran a very successful private wealth firm for 25 years and was even named best in state wealth advisor by Forbes. And in early 2020, he sold his business to live his passion. Derek believes money is not bad and good people should have more of it. Derek launched Good Money Framework to change the conversation about money by teaching us to put meaning behind money. Derek truly believes that more people making more money will result in more philanthropy, making the world a better place. So today, we are thinking big about our money mindset. Welcome to the Thinking Big Podcast with Sean Osborne, the show helping you think bigger into your life and potential. Sean believes by equipping you with the tools, strategies, and philosophies required to be successful in all aspects of your life, you can achieve anything you believe in. Empowering our own growth makes a deeply positive and lasting impact on our lives, community, and our world. Now, here's Sean. Thinking Big Tribe, I have a very special guest today, uh, Derek Kinney, and he is from Good Money Framework. And I'm, I'll tell you, I've been really looking forward to having you on the podcast because I think this is the stuff that you talk about uh, on your website and then obviously on your podcast and stuff is such a huge, I think there's such a huge need for it. And I think there is such a uh, stigmatism or a bad bad energy around money. And I think that is just such a, and I think everybody grows up with that. I mean, I, I really do. I mean, if, and I, I bet you all the listeners that are on here with us right now and listening to this, I guarantee if I give you a few money beliefs, everyone will be able to finish those sentences. For instance, uh, I bet most people could finish, you know, money is the root of all evil. Right. Everyone, right. I mean, we're, that's how we're, that's, we're believed, you know, that's how we're enculturated. You know, money doesn't grow on trees. Uh, you know, my favorite is those, those people are filthy rich. And it's these beliefs, you know, and when they're saying filthy rich, they're not meaning that they're, you know, unshowered and they don't, you know, right. <laughs> their, their lawns are, you know, they mean because they think that money is filthy. They think money is dirty. And one of the sayings that you have absolute love is good money in the hands of good people gets good work done. That is such a good, a good thing. Can you explain some of, of what you do with the money mindset? Yeah, Sean, first of all, great to be with you. I've been looking forward to our conversation together. Know that you've got a great audience that really devours this type of message. You know, I built a financial planning practice over 25 years, nationally recognized, loved it, and reached a critical point where I decided to sell that successful business to launch Good Money Framework. And the catalyst for that was 
over the years, I would hear constantly that people felt like money was bad, that if you had too much money, if you were too successful, if you owned a business, if you were a corporate titan, then you had to be bad. At least that was the presumption. And then you had to defend yourself as to why you weren't. And not that there aren't bad people out there, not that there aren't people doing bad things with their money, but to assume that that was the premise from the beginning was all wrong to me because I like money. I really like money. I've liked it since I was a kid. I enjoyed making it. I've enjoyed helping others make money. It just brings me flat out joy to see money grow because it's such a powerful lever for good. And so culture today right now, there's so much villainization. There's so much venom toward people with money. Now, again, am I defending everyone that's rich and saying they're perfect? They make no mistakes. They don't do any bad things. No. What I'm saying though is I don't want that perception that people have of those people who are quote wealthy to discourage themselves from becoming wealthy as well. Because what we do, we need more good people making good money to do good work in the world. And that's how we take back the world itself post COVID and we remake it into the world that we really want it to look like. Yeah, and I think so. It's, yeah, and I think we're born with it, or I don't think we're born. I think we're enculturated with our money beliefs, and I think that is a, at least in the U.S., that that is a, a huge thing. That uh, money is villainized, and to me, if you're a good person, money does great things. If you're a bad, it just enhances. Money's just a tool, and it enhances. Yes. <laughs> If we're good, we're good. If we're bad, we're bad. Uh, and it's just a tool. It's money itself is not dirty. It's not bad. And and one of the things I'm a firm believer, and I know you talk about this too, is you have to give to get. And I don't care what level you're at. If if you are if you are filthy rich, and again, there's that saying, filthy rich. If you if you have a lot of money, I guarantee you've been giving some away because if you don't give, you're not going to keep. You're not going to be able to keep what you have. It'll be short-lived. It'll be short-term. And I truly believe that you have to give in order to uh, in order to get and and to to use the money. What do you, what do you so what are you like when you get with a, a new client? What are some of the beliefs or what are some of the things the biggest issues that you're seeing with people out there in terms of their beliefs or their relation uh, relationship with money? Well, one thing I like to do is when we're talking with people face to face is ask them, go back to your childhood. Think back to your earliest memory. What was money discussed like? What did people talk about money? How did they describe it? Do you picture the fist hitting the table and your dad or your grandfather or grandmother saying, if only we had more money? And you began to think, my goodness, it's money and the lack of it that's holding yeah. back our family. Or someone said, boy, those people have money and we don't. And then you began to have that belief that there's the haves and the have nots. And that's extremely dangerous. Or they're simply just not the education of, well, we're just not meant to have money. You've got to go to college. You have to have a business. It's only reserved for certain groups of people they have the money. And so as I talk to people, Sean, it's interesting to begin to peel back that onion one conversation at a time. And you find out that there, there was some of those beliefs that were there. And let me tell you a personal story. You know, growing up, 
people ask, well, Derek, were you poor growing up as I would led you to this? And I said, well, you'd expect me to say, you know, we lived in a car, we were in line for government cheese. That wasn't us. We were middle class, probably lower middle class. But I remember two things. I remember going to a friend's house that had a two-story house, thinking to myself, this must be what it's like to have won the lottery. I'd never been inside a two-story house before. And then on a baseball team I played on, I was the one kid that had shoes from Kmart. Everybody else had the nice, white, crisp, high-dollar <laughs> cleats. And Derek had the blue shoes of all things from Kmart. And I was just embarrassed. It wasn't that my parents said, hey, money is holding us back or we don't have enough money. I just saw my parents making decisions. And really, I found out they didn't have a lot of money at the time, but doing the best they could. But I realized that money is a way to differentiate yourself from other people. And it's interesting, going back to your earlier question, you know, people ask, Derek, why did you sell your business? And I think it's important on your podcast, Thinking Big, to talk about why should you bet on yourself? Because so many people think that money is the key to their success. But ultimately, Sean, I believe you are the key to your success and money can simply just accentuate that. Every year I go away on a sabbatical, uh, I take about five days by myself and I think and I journal and I pray and I ask myself three questions. First is how can I be a better husband? How can I be a better father? And how can I be a better business leader? And those three questions guide me through that time by myself. And my philosophy is there's 52 weeks in the year. It only makes sense to take one of those weeks to make sure the other 51 weeks go as smooth as possible. And I'm focused on what it is I really want. Well, this particular sabbatical, this was July of 2019. I was vacillating with where am I at in the practice? What's the next chapter of my life look like? And I was in full buy mode of acquiring practices. And a consultant who I'd worked with just flat out asked me the question, Derek, you're 52 years old. Why do you want to keep growing? Most people want to scale back a bit. And it really annoyed me, Sean, to be honest. It really caused me to say, look, <laughs> just, just shut up and just, just find me some more businesses I want to buy. I want to keep growing. Well, I felt that voice inside me say, you know, Derek, when you go on your sabbatical, you need to ask yourself this question, what is it that you really want for yourself? And so I'm there in Boston, there at the W Hotel in July of 2019, and I begin to write out a list of all the things that I would enjoy doing. I wrote down their national TV, which I've enjoyed doing, local TV, would be cool to launch a podcast, write a book, speak, and on that list was not being a financial advisor. I was shocked. 25 years, great practice, loved my clients, but it wasn't giving me the joy that I once experienced. I called my wife and said, honey, are you sitting down? I thought in my mind, Sean, that we would probably wait about two years, build the value up, and then transition it out. Right. She said, Derek, you bet on yourself before. Let's bet on yourself again. Let's go and sell it. <clears throat> Pardon me. So fast forward January of 2020, uh, I am now selling my practice, launching this new business. And so the reason I say that is early on, about 10 years earlier, I bought a, another financial planning practice and the whole thing went belly up for the most part. I, we, we teetered on bankruptcy. The people we bought the practice from came back, competed against us. It was terrible lawsuits, all those things. 
But what it taught me was that you have to bet on yourself. And then by staying in the game, physically moving my office somewhere else so clients wouldn't see the other advisors and I'd lose more business and so forth, it actually grew and became one of the best investments I had. And what that led me to do was to buy other practices because I had had such a terrible experience. But I could look myself in the mirror and say, Derek, if you bet on yourself once and you worked through it, you can do it again. And I think right now, I think I want your listeners to hear, especially post-COVID, you may have faced the loss of a job. You may be questioning, what am I doing? You may be wondering, what's my purpose right now? And I believe right now is the time to really think big, to bet on yourself and really use yourself and your abilities to go make more money, to truly do more good. Yeah. And I think with what's happened with the, you know, with the pandemic and everything that's going on, I don't think there's ever been a better time in history to go and do what you did, to go and do what we're doing. I mean, we're at a time now where I think we have the best opportunity we've ever had for entrepreneurship, for doing what we're passionate about, for doing what we love. And one of the things that you said in there that I really want the listeners listening right now to to pick up on is you learned from your mistake. So you, you know, you purchased that, that one uh, company and it almost went belly up, but you didn't give up. You kept going and you learned, you know, what was the, to me, what was the biggest learning coming out of that, that failed one that drove you to, uh, look at other ones differently? Well, this will sound funny, but what I came to realize was when you bet on yourself, you have to expect a higher volume of problems and they're more intense problems. Typically, the people who encounter the most problems and can find the way through it tend to make the most money. That's why few people make all the money they can because they're not willing to go through those level of problems. Number one, it's scary. You think you're going to look foolish. You might lose everything. I remember some dark, dark nights going to bed thinking, what am I going to do? I've never, ever been to this precipice of losing everything. But what I found was one hour at a time, one client at a time, just simply believe and stay focused. And I could either bail and go backwards and file bankruptcy, or I could choose to go forward and just make my way. And that's what I learned, Sean. And that's what helped me then purchase several other businesses after that, because I learned more about myself. You know, college will teach you a lot, but it's that school of hard knocks that's really the education that pays the highest dividends. Yeah, and I think, so I think what you said in there is, you know, you you got to that spot and you kept going. I think that is one of the most important things that entrepreneurs uh, can do is because we're all going to hit that spot. We're all going to have to make that choice to burn the, you know, burn the boats. We're, we have to make that choice yes. to either, as my dad used to say, shit or get off the pot. <laughs> you have to, and, and everybody goes to that point. And I think what a lot of people do is they, that's when they retreat. That's when they give up. And, and to me, that, that is, I don't know if it's the, the universe testing you and saying, okay, I want to see if you're really ready for that next step. I want to see if you can really make it forward. But I think it's that point where you were at that you say, you know what, this is, this is it. We, we we're all in. I, I think that is what makes a true leader. I think that's, I think anybody that's very successful has gone through that. And, and I think that's one of the most important things to learn is 
whatever you do, you've got to be persistent, persistent, persistent. You keep going until you've won, until you've until you've made it, until you you know you're that that success. And one of the other things that you brought up, you know, not not really in this, but it is you talked about journaling. How important has journaling been? You know, you talked about you take that one week a you know one week a year to make sure your other fifty one weeks are uh, successful. How has I'm and I'm a true believer, a big believer in uh, in journaling and 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 sitting down. As a matter of fact, I use a thing called a Remarkable, which has uh, it's like a paper paperless tablet, but yes. it has no connectivity. There's no alarms. There's no bings. There's no nothing to distract me when I'm doing my writing, uh, because I, the distractions. But we have to journal. We have to. How how much do you think that's impacted your life? Well, journaling to me is not just a highlight reel to go back and remember the wins that you had, because those losses can drown the wins out so easily. It's just a reminder of the struggle. And while I don't want to depress anyone on this podcast, one of the lessons I've learned is that if you're going to achieve and you want to do bigger things, then you've got to expect a higher level of adversity to greet you at the door. And if there's not adversity, you're probably not doing something as big as you need to be pursuing. That's just the reality. If it's so easy, it's probably not going to get you where you want to go. And let me tell you a story about that, Sean, because one of the things that led me to journaling was something that occurred to me back in high school. It was a traumatic event. I was teased mercilessly about my nose. You, you can see I've got the full package here. And uh, you know, growing up, kids let me know about it. And junior high, high school was very, very hard for me. My mom one day when I was in junior high, gave me a book called Go For It by Judy Zarefa. In that book, it talked about, of all things, how to be popular, how to get along with others, how to be friends with others. And that book, I would rarely ever say this, but that book literally changed the course of my life. And I had this epiphany when I was a sophomore in high school that my way out of this would be to run for class office. So I decided to run for junior class president and made the posters up and so forth. And so ran the campaign. The end of the day, we're at the end of gym class of all things. And the principal comes on in his gravelly voice and says, and the winner is Derek Kenny. And we're all cheering and stuff. He said, oh, no, no, sorry. Mistake, mistake. Uh, So-and-so is the president. Derek is vice president. Well, man, I felt deflated. I felt embarrassed. I mean, it was nice to be voted second, but it just felt like we didn't go all the way. And so the next year, an idea came into my mind. As I looked around the school, I saw there were silos of students all over. Back in those days, there was the, we called it the rock and roll crowd. There was the country western crowd, the the athletic crowd, the academic crowd, the band crowd. And everybody sort of hung out in their own areas. Nobody came together. And the idea that I had is, what if I approached each of the leaders of those groups and said, hey... I want you to support me for student body president. I want to get a picture of you and I shaking hands and we'll put that picture above where you stand with all the people in your group. That way we're all in this together. So for example, you know, the rock and roll guy put on there, hey, let's rock the vote with Derek, those kind of things. And basically, Sean, what I realized was I was a nobody, but with the heart of a somebody. And that election that day, at the end of the day, I ran against five other people 
They said, and the president is Derek Kenny. And we all paused wondering, is he going to say somebody else's name? <laughs> and he didn't. And, and we won. And the key there is it wasn't any longer the me show. It wasn't the Derek worried about people teasing me and focusing on myself and just hunkering down. It was the we show bringing people together, helping them create something bigger than themselves. And that's how I learned to work out of this is that by helping people do something that they couldn't do on their own, that was the key to success. That led me then to be student body president in my college, same philosophy, launched the business. And so it was that moment in high school when I was at the darkest point, feeling like it was just me being teased mercilessly, that I found a way to work out of that. And so I only share that with you because that led me to journaling to then capture all those moments and experiences because literally life goes by so fast. You know, someone will ask me on Monday, hey, Derek, how was your weekend? And I think, I don't know, that was like three days ago. <laughs> you know, it goes by so fast. <laughs> but just by taking five minutes a day, writing down, here's the highlights of my day, here's what I learned in a powerful question, if I could do this day over again, what would I have done? That way you're guiding yourself to make positive change along the way, not beating yourself up, but just saying, yeah. you know, Derek, let me walk alongside you, do this differently tomorrow, and it's going to be a better tomorrow. Oh, I think that is such a great uh, philosophy and something that we need to do. I mean, we, we all have the tendency to have that negative self-talk beating ourselves up and we don't take that, you know, that side by side walk. We always, oh, that was so stupid. Why the hell did you do that? You know, who do you think you are? You know, it's, we, and we always, we always do that. But I, I also think that you brought up something that is not only is it very important, but I think it's very unique of how you looked at things. And I think, you know, when you saw, when you lost that first, uh, you know, that, that first one that you, you used your, not really imagination, but you used your awareness to go out and look and see how people really really are. Oh, I think that's so important. Being aware and using our imagination and, and seeing outside of ourselves. And man, that is, that, that's a great story. That is, and, and powerful. I, I want to go back and I'm going to re-listen to that section because what you did, that's how we can win at anything. You know, that same type of philosophy, we can win at whatever it is that we want. I think that that was that was <laughs> to me that that that's some of the gold that's going to be within this within this podcast. Now, one of the things up on your uh, on your site, you have seven steps to good money framework. Can you describe some of these steps on what this framework is and and what does this framework embody? Why do, why do I need this framework? Well, if you're not making the money that you feel you deserve and you're not making the impact in the world you've always wanted, I believe there's a better way for your money today. And as we come out of COVID, I call this the giant reset button. You know, people are asking themselves, what do I need money for? Not that they're dismissing money, not that they're saying I no longer need it, but they're asking themselves, having gone through what they did, many of them scaling back, not spending as much money. We saw the savings rate go up dramatically. It's almost like when we remodeled our kitchen. I remember vividly the construction people put all the sheets of plastic up and suddenly all we had were a stack of paper plates and some plastic forks and a microwave <laughs> and a card table. And we learned to live in that little four by four area in our kitchen. 
And once all the plastic came back down and the kitchen was back together again, it took us a while to re-adapt to having all this stuff because you just kind of learn to live minimally. And, you know, my wife and daughters went to Haiti on a mission trip many years ago. And I remember vividly them talking about going over there. It took them about a week to get reacclimated here because there was so much that they had that they realized they didn't even need to have. And one part of the good money framework is recognizing what is the purpose of money. You know, so many people on their deathbed or as they get older, they realize, great, I've accumulated this money, but I thought I'd be happier than I would be. I thought I'd have more meaning in my life than I would, and they realize they don't. And so what I realized, the missing piece of that is what's called the generosity purpose. So most people start off their planning with, I want to retire at 55 or 60. I want to travel. I want to go. I want to see. I want to do spend time with my spouse or my grandkids. And that's great. But oftentimes they get there again and realize, well, I thought there'd be more to this. And the one thing that's been proven over and over again, Sean, is when people can tie a cause to their cash, when they can tie a purpose to their profits, when they can put meaning to their money, that's when true fulfillment begins to take root. So here's how that would look. Let's say someone listening right now is working in a company and they feel dissatisfied with the money they're making, not what they feel they deserve. The typical tendency is to want to go into their boss and demand, I want to make more money. Give me a raise or I'm leaving. Well, these days, because of the great resignation and people leaving, your boss might just say, you know what, here's a raise. But it's not going to be because you added value. It's because you just don't want to be that person they have to replace. So my right. contention is, if you can find a way to add tangible value to your company right now, ask yourself, how can I increase sales? How can I bring in more customers? How can I reduce expenses? How can I build capacity for my boss or my supervisor and say to them, I love working here, but I want to do more. I want to make more money. But to do that, I know I need to add more value. And here's a couple ideas I put together. Could we work up a plan where if we do this over the next three to six months, I will then have an incentive plan or a raise in my salary to compensate me for helping you grow. Well, when you pull back, Sean, and think about that, what boss in their right mind would say no to that? See, you're adding value. And the, the, the way we tie that in then is using your motivation to say, you know what, what cause, whether it was when I was younger or today, do I see where there is a wrong that I want to right? There's an injustice in the world that I want to take care of, whether it's human trafficking, clean water, poverty, homelessness, whatever the issue is that's personal to you. And you can use that to motivate and say, you know what, I'm going to take a percentage of this raise I get, and I'm going to start supporting this cause I believe in. So now right. you're A, making more money, which is a beautiful thing. I'm a big fan of that but then you're helping support the causes that you never thought you could play a part in. And now you're making a difference. That's where fulfillment really comes in. And Sean, let me share one more story with you. This is for those listeners that may be business owners. So had a client come in the office. This was about five years ago. And you know when something's bothering somebody without them even talking, you can see them wearing it all over them. Well, Dave sat down in the office and we made some small talk. And finally, I broke the ice and said, Dave, look, I can tell something's bothering you. Spill the beans. Well, he went on to tell me, he said, Derek, 
I feel like I'm just showing up at the office and not excited about what I'm doing anymore. My kids are working there. The business is going very well, but I don't feel like I'm really making an impact. And for some reason, Sean, the words simply shot out of my mouth, Dave, what's a cause that you care deeply about? I don't know where those words came from, but they just found my found themselves on the table sitting there between Dave and I. Dave looked stunned, but he said, you know, Derek, it's funny you say that because a couple years ago, my family and I went on a trip overseas and this particular village that we went to, the guide mentioned that this group of villagers really had a lack of education and it was holding back their kids from achieving what their parents wanted them to achieve. They needed a school building to protect them from the elements and really provide the experience they wanted. And Dave said that he and his wife talked and when they got back, they would want to do something, but time got uh, the best of them, things happened and they just forgot about it. But my asking that question brought it back. And he said, I would love to pay for a school in that village. And I said, Dave, what if you did this? What if over the next 12 months, you set a goal to increase your business by let's say 20% and then you took half of that increase and you use that to build that school? His eyes got as big as saucers. You could see the energy flowing back into him. So we had some more small talk, he left. He comes back in the office about three months later. He looked younger, he looked more energetic. He was on fire and I said, Dave, I gotta tell you, you look completely different. What has changed? He said, Derek, I gotta tell you, at first I was skeptical about what you said about increasing sales to give money to the school, but we did it. And he said, I began sharing my vision with my customers. They bought into it. They've referred more people to work with us because they know a portion of our profits go to fund this school. We've already paid for half of that school. Man, I got to tell you, I don't get overly emotional with clients, but it was a moment where there's two guys sharing this moment together where you see the potential being extracted from another person, where they're making an impact in the world. And that same opportunity, I believe, is now available for every business owner out there. That when you find a purpose that you can tie to your profits and share that with your customers and make that a differentiator. So many products and services these days are so commoditized where customers, they don't know difference between this product or this product. But if you say, look, there's a lot of people selling this, but I want you to know we provide great service. We stand by what we represent. We will help you uh, do whatever it takes. But more importantly, a portion of all of our profits go to support either this cause that's important to me, the business owner, or we've helped many realtors say, look, you get to pick out the cause you want, buyer or seller, because you selected us. And then I'm going to take a portion of my profits and you get to pick out a cause that's important to you. And I'll make that donation in your name. So the bottom line is you're making more money, but people are simply attracted to working with you because they're part of something bigger. We see this with Tom Shoes, Bomba Socks. I saw a commercial with Shaquille O'Neal uh, for Papa John's Pizza. They called it Pizza with a Purpose. The bottom line and research backs this up by many academians that says, look, people want a good deal, but they're more inclined to spend a bit more for the quality and if your product or service is making the world better. So that generosity purpose, Sean, is really the linchpin, the foundation of the entire Good Money framework. And what I think 
motivates and differentiates anything else that's out there to truly get people to make the money they deserve and make the impact that they've always wanted. So now I know that you talk about uh, philanthropic investing or philanthropic investor. Is that what this ties into? Because to me, and, and I think that's a great motivator. I think that's a great philosophy to have. I, I think that for me, like for instance, one of the things that I do is I do a think and grow rich uh, challenges that I do uh, for free for people. Uh, but I have them do donations and all that goes to uh, Feeding America. So every time they they do the $40 yes, for the challenge, 100% uh, of that goes to Feeding America. I love One, that. I know I have to show up. I've got to, I don't want someone to pay $40 and them not get value and that money not be, be worthless. So it, it does, it drives both, I think it drives both my my the the people that follow me the people that do these as well as me because I know that if if you're going to pay me forty dollars for this you know this challenge I better show up I yes. better give you value and I think that's I I oh I think that I'm going to start looking at it that way uh, that is a great oh man that's a great way to uh, to look at it and it does it will help motivate for me it'll help me be motivated to do even better. Uh, that gives me the burning desire or the, you know, the, the need to go and, and do that. That is fantastic advice. Well, Sean, I'll, I'll tell you this story as well. You know, I, I was thinking back as I began to write the book, Good Money Revolution, which comes out two twenty two twenty two. I, I just couldn't think of a better way to launch a revolution than two twenty two twenty two. But Oh, that's fantastic. One of the parts of the book, there's a story that I wrote about why is this so personal to me? I began to think, hey, the world needs this. But then I began to realize and ask myself, Derek, I want to make sure that I'm practicing what I'm writing. And what I realized was a core part of my business all along was investing back in my local community. You know, we would always give money to local education. Education is a big thing for me because I thought back to when I was in school, I would have loved to have had someone come to my school and recognize top leaders or see my favorite teachers recognize or see someone investing back. And so oftentimes it's the void that you see in your life that you want to then fill when you have the talents and abilities to do it. So I began to recognize a student of the month at my alma mater where I went to high school. So imagine the joy of me walking down the halls where I used to walk when I was campaigning and running for office and as a student, and now I'm back, you know, 20, 25 years later. So that was fun to do that. But then I realized by recognizing a teacher of the month at a couple different local high schools, I was giving $50 a month to these students, or rather the, the teachers and the students. It was like the teachers won the lottery, Sean. To me, I mean, 50 bucks is 50 bucks, but they thought, oh my gosh, $50 because they're spending so much of their own money on supplies and those kind of things. But what it did is it instilled belief in them. And here's what began to happen. People began to call me to want to work with me. And finally, one day I said, I have to ask you, why did you pick me to be your financial advisor? And I remember specifically one person, they actually brought a picture from the newspaper. They said, Derek, we see you each month giving money to these teachers and we support education. We want to work with someone who believes in what we believe. And it was like an epiphany, Sean. It was a moment where I realized 
people aren't just working with me because I was good with money, could help them achieve their goals. They expected that. They expected a financial advisor to be good at what they said they were good at. But the extra, the, the decommoditizer was you were involved in the community. And so from then on, I became known as the, the advisor who was in the Arlington community, always investing back. And so yes, would it cost me money? But I never looked at it as a cost. It was an investment in the local community because it always came back in spades. I didn't do it for that reason, but I just realized I can have fun giving and making my community better. And then when you walk into a room, you're no longer the stranger. You're the guy that always supports the community. There, there's a warmth that greets you when you walk in the room. So I tell you that because I want all of our business owners listening to realize that's who you want to be. People today, I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt, they want to work with people who are competent, confident, know that they're good at what they do, and they can believe in what they do, but they want to work with people who support the causes they believe in. It's more important now than ever. I think you should just rename this book and have it a marketing book. <laughs> because... Have you ever have you ever thought of just you know what forget this finance I'm going to go into marketing because yes. or pol politics I mean it's it's this is <laughs> you're you're running a marketing and and pol that is some fantastic things to do for a local community and a lot of people we just don't think like that and we don't I mean this is like wow that's <laughs> that's genius uh, wow I mean it, it <laughs> I don't know what to say, but man, that that is, I can't wait to uh, to pick up that uh, pick up the book. It's going to be, is it going to be on Amazon and everything? I, mean, I assume it's going to be out on. Yeah, yeah, it'll, it'll be on Amazon. It'll be full online. People can pre-order the book right now. Uh, it's in actually the final editing stages, but uh, we're getting some great reviews from high quality people. The endorsements are great. The bottom line, though. Sean, this is all about a movement. It's all about instilling in people a new way to think about their money, no longer just to pad their wallets or pad their bank accounts. It's, I, I like to make money and I want each of you listening to make money and make, go make a lot of it, but, but make it with the mentality of how can you use some of it or a lot of it for good where you know that you're making money, you're adding value to people's lives, and you're also helping right the wrongs that you see in the causes most important to you. I mean, that's the trifecta if I could ever describe one. Yeah. And so if you, in the next, I don't know, 12 to 15 months, what are what is the biggest thing that you're excited about? What what are you most excited to, to do besides the book launch, which is huge, by the way, that is such a, a, a huge accomplishment. And going back, but I truly love to have authors on the podcast and only because to me when you write a book it, you've spent 25 years doing what you do and for me to be able to sit down in you know a week two weeks however long it takes to read the book and to get the gold nuggets of 25 years of experience uh, is unbelievable uh, and so thank you so much for taking the time i i would love to write a book but i god that is a lot of work. So congratulations <laughs> on getting that far. That, that is a huge, a huge thing. That's a huge feat to do. Well, one thing I've learned, you know, someone once said, all of us have a book inside of us and it's just the habit of writing on a regular basis. My first book I wrote about 15 years ago, geared for financial advisors on actually how to work with the media, how to market themselves. 
And what I learned is I wouldn't allow myself to go to my office until I wrote three Microsoft Word pages, which were three double-spaced pages. That was a thousand words a day. And as long as I did that, then at the end of a week, I had 5,000 words. At the end of a month, I've got 20,000 words. I mean, so suddenly now, just by that discipline of daily practice and exercise of doing it, you begin to develop that habit. So I just want to encourage, Sean, you're such a great host. And I, and I would just encourage you by saying, even though you haven't written a book, I bet you've inspired many people to either write a book or write a blog or get their ideas out. So thank you for people like you who give people like me a voice to encourage other people to help them keep thinking big as well. Yeah. And going back to, so what if, again, in two years, what, what are you most excited about moving in, in the future? What, what are some of, what's going to drive you in the next two to three years? Yeah, what I'm most excited about is this message being accepted and embraced and implemented. You know, I have a passion, as I said, for small business owners as a financial advisor, for those people who are in sales and real estate and insurance, any type of consultative selling where you need to connect relationally with your customer or client. I believe this philosophy is tailor-made for you in every community across this great country and even around the world. I believe that once people recognize they're working with people who are smart and talented and believe in what they do, but also have that extra circle that they believe in the community around them and want to do what's important to the customer and the client helping their world get better, it's a value-added model that I've not seen anywhere else, and I believe it can be a real game changer. And I really hope it completely shifts how we've always thought about money, that it truly is the greatest lever we can use for positive change. Yeah. So what do you, uh, just thinking about what you're saying, how big of a change do you think we would have in this world if all the solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, and business owners went to this philosophy of helping their community? C can you imagine the change we would have? That would be mind-blowing. It is mind-blowing. I think that's a good word for it. And obviously, when you think of it like a scale, there's always some people over here that say, that will never work. I'm not going to do that. It'll just never work. Others over here that say, that sounds great. But it's always the middle. You know, you think about any election, it's always the undecideds that tilt the scale one way or the other. And my right. hope is to do this is the, the total naysayers, I'm not as worried about that because they're very hard to convince otherwise. The people over here are probably going to buy the book and say, Derek, I've been waiting for this. Or in some cases, I may be doing part of this, but you've helped fill in the gaps for me. But the undecideds, I think, are ripe. And I think those people want something and they've known that it could be better. They've known that there's a better way to make more money, a better way to do more with their money. But they needed a framework and a structure to do it. And much like running a campaign, you know, my goal is to get out there and let people know if you're not making the money you feel you deserve and you're not making the impact in the world you've always wanted, there is a better way for your money today. And not just for you individually, but for your customers, for your clients, and you become the guide to help them be that hero in their giving story while they're making more money and enjoying the life they've always thought was possible. That's my vision 
for everyone listening and for countless people all over the world. Well, I'll tell you, that is definitely a win-win philosophy, a win-win framework. There's no loser. Everybody wins with that type of philosophy. So, uh, Derek, thank you so much for uh, for being on the, on the show today and being on the podcast. Uh, there is so much gold that, that you've said in here, and I, I cannot wait for your new book. And all of us that are listening right now, go up to his website. Uh, it's goodmoneyframework.com. You've got your seven-step framework up there for people to to go through. And connect with, uh, connect with Derek because there is – I have not seen a lot of people – you know, I talk with a lot of people and I, and I have not seen a lot of people that have that mindset to help uh, like you do. And I, can't, I cannot wait to guide, dive in more because I, I truly think that going back to the beginning, we cannot get unless we give. And this is a perfect way to give and get and win and win. Everybody wins. So thank you so much for taking the time today to uh, to be on the show. I, I cannot wait for this one to go out because people, we are going <laughs> to, all, all of my tribe is absolutely going to love everything within this, uh, within this episode. So thank you so much. Sean, my pleasure. I've really enjoyed this. And uh, it's always nice when two like-minded uh, folks get together, love what you're doing. And uh, it was an honor to be with you today. Thank you.